The following is a member of the Growler Media Podcast Network. Find out more at growlermedia.com. Comey Snake. Welcome to Escape from New York Minute, where we celebrate and analyze the dystopian classic one minute at a time. I am Molly Balin. And I am Eric Deutsch. And we welcome back BK from BK on the Air. Glad to be here, guys. I'm as happy as Ernest Borgnine in a taxi with a Molotov cocktail to be here. <laughs> 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 Excellent. <to> be here. <laughs> well, thanks for surviving yet another day as we have uh, osteoporosis crazies <laughs> running around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we are here at minute 41, and minute 41 begins with Snake backing away from the 5K sewer denizen run that has crept <laughs> up. Snake retreats into the chock-full-o-nuts shop and ends with him meeting a brand-new inmate. Well, new to him, anyway. I think she's been there for a while. Wow, where do I where do we start on on the beginning of this one? I've got like a plethora of info going yeah, on well, here. I, I, I say guys. I say we start with this that the crazies <clears throat> completely ignore Snake. I mean, it can't be that they don't see him. I mean, he's standing yeah. right there, so they just literally don't care that he's there, which doesn't seem to fit with what happens starting in tomorrow's minute. Doesn't seem to fit with what <laughs> we know about this group. It's just it's very strange that they ignore him. I think they're much more driven to go get that food that they're supposed to be on their way to get and, and probably thank goodness that they're not wanting to use snake for food. Well, well, that just thing is sort of kind of implied that they would want to use snake for food. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So they do fly right by him. You're right. And it's kind of, it's kind of odd. Yeah. I think there was a, an implication of cannibalism here in the, the future minutes given uh, some of their, their behavior. But yeah, right now they're, I don't know. Maybe they're just really myopic. Um, you know, mm. maybe there aren't like there aren't really great eye doctors in Manhattan anymore. <laughs> right. and, but yeah, it is kind that, of for oh, people to start generators, right? <laughs> Fix right. generators for lights. Yeah. Right. Right. We've got uh, electrical engineers, but we don't have people with with glasses quite yet. But um, I will say, and I'm sure Eric, you've got some information on this. I had no idea that Chock Full of Nuts was real. Like, I did not know that that was a real place. I thought that was totally made up, that that was like a magical land, because I couldn't figure out, well, I mean, why would you want to have a nut shop? You <laughs> yes, know? Yes, chock full of nuts. Indeed, it is real. It is an institution here in New York City. Uh, it has been. It, it is a chain. It has been around forever. I remember the jingle of very... Well, from my childhood, when the, the ads would come on TV, chock full of nuts is that heavenly coffee. Better coffee a millionaire's money can't buy. Now, I'm no professional singer, so I might have butchered it, but that's basically how it went. Uh, and uh, I, I did get some history of it as, as well. That it, it started out as a chain, and it still is kind of a chain which i'll get to in a second eventually they started selling it in stores too you can you can buy the coffee in stores and here's where the name comes from because as a kid it confused me too i always thought that why is coffee being served with nuts in it and that's not (laughs) that's not what it is so originally the founder of the chain william black that the stores were nut 
were nut shops. They, they, he sold nuts. That's what it was. But when the Depression started, he changed all his shops. He turned, converted them to lunch counters, and he'd serve a cup of coffee and a sandwich for five cents. And so that's why it's chock full of nuts, even though it ended up becoming more of a coffee uh, chain. And their signature sandwich is a nutted cheese sandwich made of cream cheese and chopped nuts on dark raisin bread. Ugh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's nasty. I find out why they we may have found out why they closed several locations. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry guys. <laughs> well, that's the thing is you know, I remember eventually it seemed like there were none at all anymore and I I looked up on their website that there is actually there's only six cafe locations left. That's right. Anywhere. And two of them are right here in Brooklyn where I live, although not not in my neighborhood. And then the other four, there's two in New Jersey, there's one in upstate New York, and there's one in Miami of all places. I guess maybe all the retired New Yorkers that are down there missing or something. You, you found out exactly what I did. That's exactly <laughs> <right>. <laughs> And hey, if that sandwich was served and available in New York when the movie is set, I think I would eat one gladly no matter what it was. You're right. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. It wouldn't be yeah. gross then. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Speaking of gross, the, the, this, this I found this a very funny uh, point about their history that they use the hygiene within the store as a selling point that the sandwiches were advertised as untouched by human hands because the cooks use tongs to assemble the sandwiches. Mm. Oh, really? So they didn't even wear like the little plastic glove glove. No, things, so even that, wow. was, that would have been, been too much. Yeah. Wow, that's pretty interesting. <laughs> Untouched by human hands. Untouched by human hands. <laughs> and one final interesting tidbit, but the great Jackie Robinson, the guy who broke the color barrier in baseball after he retired, he became a vice president in the company. Oh wow, chock full of nuts. Yeah. Wow. Well I I did have a um I did have an ex wife that that was her favorite brand of coffee to go ah. get in the when the freeze in the freeze you know dried blocks that you yeah. could get of coffee she did love chock full of nuts was her favorite one for some reason many years ago so now molly like- so until you started researching for this minute you thought it was like just some made-up thing for the movie i literally thought it was bullshit yeah it was completely <laughs> made up just for the movie because i and i always thought it was weird because i was like why is this chock full of nuts like who came up with that i thought it was some sort of like bizarre inside joke which is what i was really expecting to find yeah. when she i started doing it, research she thought it was chock full of shit that's full of shit man. <laughs> i did i did but i will say because this is you know, there's a, an origin of like depression era business here with chock full of nuts. I think it's really proper that I think everybody's ex-wife, that's like their favorite coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would be the most amazing marketing for chock full of nuts. Right. Wow. <laughs> if well, you kicked your old at, lady to a curb 10 years ago, that's probably her favorite coffee. <laughs> well, I can understand, Molly, if you'd never heard of it, because seeing the sign, the way it's printed and, and the, the name itself just sounds like it's over the top fake. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's like there's not a place called that. That's got to be made up. I can understand that. Yeah, it's probably <laughs> one of the best trivia pieces that means nothing to anyone because it exists. And if you lived in New York, then you'd be like, oh yeah, I know that this is real, but you know, being you know primarily a West coaster and, and not having any context with it, it was like, uh, it was an amazing discovery. <laughs> you're like, oh, it is real. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That is really funny. Cause to me, it was, I was like, oh, a nice little touch in the movie. Oh, okay. They went for, you know, one of our real local chains, but right. If you're not 
from the NYC area, and, and, and you're not aware of, you know, the, like uh, BK's ex-wife of the, uh, <laughs> the, the kind you could buy in the store, uh, you might be like, uh, it, it, you might not even notice it. Which that was not the reason we got a divorce, by the way. The, the chocolate nut. Don't, let me be clear. How amazing <laughs> would that be, though? Yeah, I I like Dunkin' Donuts. You like chock full of nuts. I can't live with you anymore. <laughs> um, I do want I do want you to sing the jingle again because I'm going to save that for my ringtone. I swear to God, I oh, want I, I want that for my now, ringtone. Now that now that you told me that that's what you're going to use it for, absolutely not. That's great. I have to second that. I was like, wow, you've got kind of like a Sinatra vibe to you. I just like, I keep learning things about you. Hey, baby, chuck full of nuts. It's that heavenly coffee, baby. (laughs) That would be more of a Sinatra. That's great. And I do remember the jingle growing up in Georgia in the South because we did, we did, we got other channels from Channel 9 from Chicago. We got some other Mm. channels through cable and we did see the the commercials. We did. Oh, okay, sure. (laughs) I've got either Channel 9 or 11 from New York, maybe. <laughs> that probably was where you would have heard it then. Yep, that's right. Yeah. Hey, on a co- totally unrelated tangent here for thirty seconds, since some, since we talked about Frank Sinatra, let me just give a something completely unrelated to this movie. But I recently heard Frank Sinatra's cover of Mrs. Robinson for the first time a few days ago, <laughs> and it's absolutely insane. Everyone, do yourself a favor, give yourself two and a half minutes, go on YouTube and listen to Frank Sinatra's cover <laughs> of Mrs. Robinson, because holy cow, is it absolutely insane. <laughs> All right, I know what I'm doing as soon as I yes. get done with this podcast tonight. That's a, that's hilarious. I've never heard that one. Uh, I love now, stuff like that. Now, on the wall outside the chock full of nuts, we have another New York institution, and of course, that's more graffiti. Yes. And analyzing, trying to read some of this graffiti, some of it, uh, okay, it's pretty obvious. Some of it doesn't make any sense at all. I'm just starting from the top and working our way down. It looks like it's a Tau 77. I, I don't, you know, I, I was trying to see if that, if there was some kind of in-joke there and right. it doesn't appear to be um you know anything that i found online googling the word tau and 1977 comes up with stuff that simply would have been impossible to be connected to this movie yeah well i found out there's another word on the wall there there's several of them but i mean you yeah. got a lo- i love new york is there and i yeah. and you and you see something else written in the to the left of that that says nuts and then there's a trash can blocking something, and it says Jersey. So yes. I'm going to assume that it says nuts to Jersey. That's <laughs> probably what that says. <laughs> so the word two is obscured. But there's another word there uh, that's, that's written, spray painted, and it's Chernovsky. C-H-E-R-N-O-V-S-K-I. Now, I found some things about that particular name i wondered if you did too well i guess i had two comments about that chernovsky one is it looks like it says the full tag is chernovsky goes for briz if i'm reading that correctly yeah which i don't know what the hell briz is but the only thing i could come up with is that the second assistant director of the movie is jeffrey chernov Mm. and maybe like that was just some goofy thing they called him chernovsky as a joke and threw it on there i don't know what the hell goes for briz means though could have i mean that i didn't think about that but i did find out that the by checking with ancestry.com with the name chernovsky which is even hard for me to say (laughs) it was found in the usa in 1920 and uh there was a one chernovsky family living in new york this was a hundred percent of all the recorded chernovsky's in the USA, New York had the highest population of Chernovsky families in 1920. So I don't know what obscure what obscure thing that means, but that's what I did find out about the name and the surname. 
And it is Russian. It's Russian, too. Okay. Obviously. So, yeah, that's what I was able to dig up on Chernovsky. It also looks like we've got cut peep, maybe? Yeah, which I couldn't really make out. Yeah, it kind of looks like that. Yeah. Right? Cut peep or cut bead or reap? I don't It's It's a bit hard, hard to make out. The crazy spray, they spray paint too quickly. They're in a hurry. They're, they're trying to run and spray paint <laughs> at the same time, and they're confused. And then, and, and, and you know, I mean, in the I Love New York, of course, <laughs> once again, those of us in New York growing up in, in, the, in the 80s, we know that there was a, a, a ad campaign, the, the, the New York's tourism come visit New York campaign was I Love New York. So I'm going to sing again. The ads were, I, I New love York. New York. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's I mean, that great. that's pretty much got to be a reference to that. Oh, yeah. And I mean, that's New Jersey, by the way. At the height of that, of that ad campaign. <laughs> so that certainly has to be. Well, you're up in New York. I mean, watching sitcoms that were set in New York growing up the way I did, like uh, uh, the Jeffersons and All in the Family and, and the Honeymooners or Jackie Gleason. Uh, is there a, a sort of a rivalry? There is a rivalry kind of between New York and Jersey, right? A, a friendly or sometimes not so friendly rivalry well, between the two areas. I think the problem with using the word rivalry is usually <laughs> when you have the word rivalry, it means that things are sort of even, you know, one side here, <laughs> there. But, wow. you know, this is New York, and, and it, it's like, you know, New Jersey, you know, come on. Come on. I think my point was just proven right then. Exactly. <laughs> so it does say nuts to Jersey there. Exactly. <laughs> Which is fantastic. Uh, all right. Well, let's 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 go inside the chock full of nuts. Snake goes inside hiding. He's, he's looking outside. He's like, all right, maybe I'm going to get by. And then we have this incredibly great reveal <laughs> that all of a sudden – there's someone just there, and the light kind of slowly fades up on this mysterious woman there. And I love the way they reveal her and the use of the lighting and how they reveal her. That That is brilliant. I mean, I, know, I don't know if we, we probably have maybe Carpenter and uh, Dean Cunley to, to, to blame for that, which is fantastic. <laughs> it's so subtle that you're not even consciously aware that it's happening even while you're watching it. Sometimes when people try to do that, you're like, oh, the light just came up on this actor and they're talking. No, this is done so slowly with her with her dialogue. Uh, uh, it's amazing. I love it. I love that she's just unfazed by having a giant gun on her because <laughs> she's seen some shit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she has. So That's the true. she we are talking about in the credits is actually called Girl in Chock Full of Nut. That, that is her character's name. This is Susan Hubley, as uh, BK intimated yesterday. And at the time of this movie... She was Kurt Russell's wife. She was. She was married to Kurt from 79 to 83. Um, I also think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, her her character had a name in the book. It was Maureen, yes. if I'm not mistaken. But uh, she's, not really a, she's not really a household name, but a great actress. She's also in a film uh, that I saw after Escape from New York. I think it's the very next film that she did called Vice Squad in 1982, directed by another suspense, kind of a horror director, uh, filmmaker named Gary Sherman. And in that film, she portrays Princess, a, a prostitute who assists the L.A. cops to capture her, uh, her murderous pimp, who's played by uh, Wings Hauser with, with great evil. Uh, it's a fascinating and violent movie. If you, ever, if you guys have never seen it, it's a very well-done motion picture and a cult classic uh, called Vice Squad. It is, uh, is really great. Playing not much of a different character that she's playing here only in vice squad she gets to play it much longer throughout the whole film though so yeah yeah honestly i think this is the only thing i've ever seen her in uh, i mean she met kurt russell playing priscilla presley in elvis uh right which, which, is which you referred to yeah. yesterday and 
seemed like in going through our IMDb page, mostly TV guest spots of the 70s, 80s of the day, Kojak, Starsky, and Hutch, that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. There was this really great quote that there's a couple of really great quotes that I read from her. Um, and this one is really funny because they were talking about this was from People Magazine back in like 1979. And they did a, a interview with her. And uh, at the time, they had just hooked up her and Kurt had just hooked up. And this was uh, right around the time of Elvis. And uh, the quote was, yet they both scoff at the notion that their on-camera emoting triggered the romance. That's like asking if two plumbers fell in love because they were working over the same toilet. Russell <laughs> guffaws. <laughs> yeah, but the, di- yeah. the difference is the two plumbers aren't playing two people who are married and probably having, you know, kissing in the movie, though. They're not standing over the toilet making out. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I just thought it was a really like, ooh, we went there. Okay, that's interesting. (laughs) Uh, I thought it was interesting she had uh, a history with All My Children. So if you were watching All My Children, you know, like 20 years ago, you probably would have caught her. Uh, She also did a guest starring role on Beverly Hills 90210. Oh, wow, yeah. Uh, She is also a native New Yorker as well. And, uh, (laughs) And I share a birthday with her of March 14th. So I was like, ooh. Oh, wow, okay. Well, so wait a minute, are you, Molly. Are your Pisces? Birthday, your I am. Is the day before the Ides of March? It is. Wow. <laughs> and so she's probably very familiar with Chock Full of Nuts. And she's a native New Yorker. Yes. Yeah. I would presume she is, as a matter of fact. There was another quote that I thought was really funny because she, you know, obviously was married to Kurt. And this came from uh, the Escape from New York, L.A page uh we we reference this page quite a bit but uh they did an interview with her and her comment was as you know pliskin was pretty ripped so there was a lot of time spent at the gym because kurt tends to let himself go between flicks and loves to eat (laughs) and packs it on a bit so before a movie there's a mad dash to get beefed up I think I think our star now that does that today is is Chris Pratt that I heard about. So yeah, oh, does yeah. that as well. So totally. Yeah. The character, as I said, is called Girl in Shock Full of Nuts in the credits, and this is a woman in her thirty. I mean, what what's your your two take on the fact that though she's referred to as Girl in Shock Full of Nuts? Um, well, I I kind of I kind of just push it off to the to the fact that in the era that that happened the movies were still referring to women in, in james bond films as bond girls we all know they're women but we know what i know what they mean when they say bond girl it's a it's a woman in the film but i think it was just a term that was substituted for woman a lot and i, I don't think we do it much anymore but i think we did up until at least 81 and 82 it was still around yeah true that is interesting I, Heard silence from the female side there. I'm waiting for no, response. I was really thinking about that. I think that's a really great yeah. that's a really great question uh, yeah. because it 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 didn't it didn't quite flag 100 percent for me. But now that you're saying that, I'm like, yeah, that's a really interesting turn of phrase that it's girl and that it's not. I think when you say <clears throat> woman, there's a connotation of you know somebody who's at least like you know maybe mid 30s. But there's also the parlance of our time of like, hey girl, you know. There's not, it's not like, hey, woman, uh, there's this really, <laughs> yeah. you know, kind of um, affectionate, somewhat uh, flip turn um, 
and, and that's that's I think the the spirit that that's capturing that this is a a younger woman that would be there versus you know uh, uh, a more more middle aged I suppose. But yeah, that is interesting. That I, I agree with BK. It's like a Bond girl kind of a thing. And and I don't think it would have been anywhere near as, as effective. I think to credit if Snake Plissken had did not come up with the name uh, just to refer to him as boy with eye patch in the film. <laughs> <It's just laughs> more, so that would have been wait a minute. That's awesome. Dude with gun, <laughs> you know, yeah. whatever you want to call him. So that's crazy. Well, every once in a while you get those movies where the main character is never actually named and then you get to the credits and yeah, it's just like, you know, man or something like that, you know? Yeah, wasn't Clint, wasn't Eastwood called man without a name and uh, good and the bad and the ugly? Right, was, was it? right. Yeah. And yeah. the thing I'm thinking of is uh, the movie The Road where it's like man and boy and woman. Right. Well, she she does actually say something that a lot of uh, characters say in Escape from New York when, when she finally recognizes who he is, which a lot of people do when they see Pliskin. Save that uh, for tomorrow. That's, that's tomorrow. Yeah. That's tomorrow. Okay, yeah, she says that. And yeah. uh, I want to say when he when Snake comes into Chocolate Nuts, when he first comes in and he's backing in, we, we, pan, uh, we go to the camera angle of the floor and they... Uh, you see some rats on the floor kind of scurrying around on the bottom there. And they, you know, they seem to avoid snake as if they're saying it's snake Pliskin. I, <laughs> let's get out of his way. We don't want to mess with him because they're, they're not coming anywhere near him or, or trying to uh, bite him or attack him or anything. So I think they're scared of snake. Yeah. He almost steps on one is yeah. kind of, as he walks backwards and this rat just gets out of the way right before snake would have, would have uh, kicked it. And I did some more geeky uh, investigations here as he walks into the cafe on the counter to the left, we see an old Coca-Cola fountain dispenser on, on the counter there. And it says drink Coke on the side. And I used to see these in theaters and drive-in theaters as a kid growing up. And I found out that it is a Dole Citation Dispenser, number ME11040 from the 60s and early 70s is the actual old vintage Coca-Cola dispenser they're using there. See the crap hmm. I come up with when I look for stuff? That's crazy. Cool. <laughs> Is that the kind of thing they would like mix up flavors for back in the day? Like you can have a vanilla Coke or you can have a raspberry Coke. That's right. That's right. It actually was, it was mixed there in the unit. I think I'm not sure it was, I don't think it was connected to uh, actual uh, cartridges that were off like tanks off to the side, like the later ones were, but I think it was all inside the unit, which made it, you know, not hold a lot. And they show, they, they sold toys of it for to kids in the in the 70s and 80s that kind of looked like that but that's a real actual real one they have in the film there Hmm. Well, and it's interesting, too, because it's it's it looks like something from the 50s. And it's interesting because this movie's supposed to be taking place in 1997. So it also just establishes this restaurant as something that was maybe going for a retro feel whenever New York City was closed <laughs> off, you know? Mm-hmm. And as you know, living in New York, there were there, there could have been places in the 80s or the 90s. Uh, and, and they were limited to the at least the eighties. Cause that's when they were filming the film as early eighties of having equipment from the old days still being used. And who knows the, the crazies and the folks in New York could have dug up this old Coke dispenser and, or it's just sitting there from the old days. And it just even op- doesn't even operate anymore. Right. Uh, have a Coke and a smile. That's another, <laughs> another, another, another old uh, advertisement. <laughs> Since we're coming up with old advertisements. I'm not doing yeah. any more singing. <laughs> oh, come on. I already come sang on. two jingles in one episode. I'm not doing it. I know. It's the musical episode. I love it. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> it's great. So you I, know what? She she wants, you know, Pliskin has a cigarette, and obviously, 
obviously girl. I, 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 can't, I, want to call her, I want to call her woman now just for the, for the heck of it. Uh, Escape from New York girl, like Bond girl. Uh, she she uh, says, wow, is that a, is that a, is that a, what did she say? Is that a real one or a, a real cigarette? And she, Snake gives her the cigarette, you know, and, and she lights it up. Snake has a lot of, he does a lot of things in the film to make it hard for you to uh, not dislike him. I mean, I don't dislike Snake Plissken in this film. He's supposed to be this tough guy with the reputation of of, uh, of, of committing the crime and doing what he did. And he doesn't really give a crap about anything anymore, the attitude he has. But I like the guy throughout the entire film. And even in this scene here, he just seems very genuine. And, oh, you want a cigarette? I'll give it to you. And he's even, even acts like he's generally concerned about his and her welfare with the crazies running by saying cover it when you when you light up the cigarette with the with the match and and uh, it's it, it, it snake's a good guy i can't help it i just think he's a he's a he's a bad guy but he's a good bad guy mm-hmm. yeah i had the same note he ought she asked for the cigarette and he automatically gives them to her he doesn't even yeah thought yeah i mean snake is generous <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're right yeah i did not see it as much as generosity in that moment i saw it as this is the first sanish person that he's met right it so i mean you know so he hasn't been there that long but that's the first and also i think he has and we're going to talk a little bit because this bleeds into the next minute but i think he's concerned about the crazies finding him and so i think to keep things diplomatic he gives her the smokes right and he obviously tells her to cover the light because he doesn't want to be caught by the crazies that's right uh yeah so um we do have we will pick this uh scene up again in tomorrow's episode great moment there when he you know he's he's stepping back and he falls through a little hole there a kind of harbinger of things to come uh the floor is not all that stable so his foot goes through a a weak spot in the floor i know we'll get in that the next minute so uh yeah great a great another great minute of the film yeah nice foreshadowing for what's gonna happen tomorrow yeah um, I have one. Uh, I'm I'm doling out my tidbits about season, but I did find out that <laughs> she was born Susan, not season. And ah. yes, so the her quote was when she was about twelve. One of my friends said I was as changeable as the seasons, and the name stuck. Oh wow! Things you learn on a podcast. I didn't know that. That was that's great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Trivia. <laughs> <laughs> All right, BK, let everyone know again where they can hear you normally. Well, people can hear me, BK, on the air every Saturday from 10 a.m. till noon Eastern time. Uh, that's Eastern on WBHFradio.org. Uh, we're on from 10 a.m. to noon. We talk about uh, retro, nostalgic, geeky stuff, uh, that cool feeling of having a tin lunchbox in school or schoolhouse rock, Saturday cartoons, movies of the of the past, present, future music, anything that you loved growing up, uh, watching on television or seeing. We talk about it, anniversaries, movies from today like Marvel and, and Star wars anything of, of that nature and retro geekiness we cover bk on the air and awesome. you go you find us on facebook uh twitter and instagram too by the way and soundcloud oh sweet all right we are on facebook too we have brains library the escape from new york minute hangout we're on twitter that's ny minute pod so chat with us on either one of those avenues uh please subscribe so you never miss an episode and we'd love to uh <laughs> see some positive ratings and reviews from all you lovely listeners out there so until tomorrow be on time stay out of the sewers and we'll meet you on the other side of the wall <laughs>